0: Welcome to the Establish the Run Rookie Mock Draft. I am Mike Leone. I'm here with Evan Silva and Anthony Amico, the man behind our dynasty rankings to do this one round rookie mock draft format will be super flex tight end premium scoring, which uh, it's just a little bit more dynamic. Let's just talk about the quarterbacks and tight ends a bit more, but how we rank the players and our evals are going to apply to any format you might play in. And we're going to kick this thing off. Right away, not waste any time. Throw it over to our man, Evan Silva, for the 101.
1: Yeah, I just want to let you guys know before we start this I've done zero prep. I've been doing AFC, (laughs) NFC draft grades for the last, oh God, I don't even know how many hours. I need a friggin' nap. Um, But I did do like a preliminary little ranking, but I didn't do Super Flex tight end premium. So, great great sales um, pitch with these I've done zero. Don't listen to anything. What I say, and if I say something stupid, Amico and Leone, spreadsheet socialists, just don't don't be afraid to correct me, okay? But obviously, I think we're all starting off with B. John Robinson. He goes to Atlanta. They're going to run the crap out of the ball. He's really good in the receiving game. They took him number eight overall. That draft capital is just insane for a running back these days. We knew that he was an awesome player coming in. It was just a matter of where he landed. I think he landed in a pretty good spot.
0: Yeah. Amico, we'll throw it to you to the one Oh two. I don't have anything to add because I'm 100% in alignment with Silva with Bijan as the one Oh one, but I know you're a little bit contrarian here with the super flex drafts with like how much value the quarterback can carry. So uh, who's your pick at one Oh two. And would you take your pick at one Oh two ahead of Bijan at one Oh one?
2: Yeah, I'm going with Anthony Richardson and I would take him first. I think in these super flex drafts, Uh, I know that that's a contrarian take, but I just think that the value of these quarterbacks is so high. Um, like I'm redoing our ranks right now. Like, I i think that his value, like we had him and Bijan very, very close in the pre-draft stuff, but now I'm I'm looking at this situation and I'm like, well, he's in the nut spot, like he's in a dome. Shane Steichen, extremely sharp. Obviously, just coaxed a, a MVP caliber season out of Jalen Hurts. Um, you know, they have some interesting weapons. I know it's not maybe like the, uh a bunch of names per se, but you know, Jelani Woods, Michael Pittman, uh they drafted Josh Downs, they have Alec Pierce, like obviously they have Jonathan Taylor in the backfield, like and he's the the, the most athletic quarterback of all time. So like I, I'm looking at the the ceiling here for Anthony Richardson and I'm like, okay, well if he becomes a Jalen Hurst X esque value, we're talking about like a top six pick in Superflex. And like I just don't really see a scenario where Bijan is getting there. Uh So I I prefer Richardson. Uh, I definitely think that he's going to be a more common pick at at two in these drafts. But I think it's a smash. Like, I think if you want to tier him and Bijan and and say that that, that's a clear top two,
0: I'm fine with that. Yeah, I Um, think in your actual drafts, you can probably trade out of the 101 to the 102 for like even something small, if that's really how you feel. Also, I think like trade value to me matters a lot. And, you know, we play in some of these sharper leagues where people are a little bit more tentative with running backs, in which case I can see going to Anthony Richardson, but the vast majority of leagues out there, like everyone's drilling over Bijan. I think he's going to smash, like Evan said, year one, which just gives you so much safety in the trade value, even though it's a running back, where you might just be able to move him for a boatload down the line, even if you know you do have some of that that positional adjustment. So I, I think those are good good arguments for Richardson. I'd still probably go Bijan and capitulate to the market a little bit. I will at 103 go quarterback as well. I'll go with Bryce Young. And I think I would definitely take Richardson over Young because the upside in terms of how they're going to perform from a fantasy perspective definitely tilts in favor of Richardson with his rushing ability. But, you know, first overall pick, really, really good prospect. I know there's some concerns over his size. but And I also like I feel better about Carolina's situa- situation moving forward under Frank Reich than I do the situation in Houston for CJ Stroud. So I'll take Bryce young at the one Oh three. Um, yeah. I, and I, I think that's kind of a, a clear cut distinction between him and Stroud for me. So I guess I'm going to go with
1: Jameer Gibbs th- here then at number four, um, it would come down to him and CJ Stroud in a super flex. And I think that CJ Stroud is a, a legitimate consideration, but I think that Jameer Gibbs with his pass catching acumen you know, he, his game is very similar to Alvin Kamara. The draft capital that the Lions invest in him at number 12 overall, which was, I would say, shocking, but speaks to their level of confidence in him, taking over as, I think, their clear-cut lead back. They traded away DeAndre Swift, you know, a couple of days after they made that move to go get Jameer Gibbs. David Montgomery is a concern, um, you know, but I think that Jameer Gibbs is going to be the lead back catch a bunch of passes. Jared Goff is, is good at dumping the ball off to RBs. And I think that Jameer Gibbs, just based on how much they invest in him, is going to be a centerpiece of this offense, which we saw last year what could be very explosive at times and has a chance to be even more explosive now with Gibbs, Jamison Williams, you know, uh, uh, you know, getting further into that, that, uh, the, uh, the tenure of Ben Johnson, who I think is one of the best OCs in the league.
2: How are you kind of like envisioning this split going on, Evan? Because I think it's a really weird scenario where like they they paid like legitimate money to a running back and then they dragged Gibbs at 12. So how do you kind of see that breaking down?
1: Well, I mean, we've seen what David Montgomery can do. And, you know, he's a reliable back that I think that, you know, I mean, he can, you know, he can pass protect. He does the little things that, you know, coaches like, and I mean, he's going to be on the field. um, So that is a concern. But I think that Jameer Gibbs, based on what they, again, based on what they paid for him, based on his explosiveness, he's so much more explosive than David Montgomery, who gets caught from behind all the time when he gets out in the open field. That explosiveness, playing, you know, in the dome in forward field, Jameer Gibbs is a really, really exciting player in Detroit.
0: Yeah, I think it's really interesting, the the combo of them, because like for redraft, In some ways, David Montgomery is exciting because if you think of the Jamal Williams role, plus David Montgomery could give you something in the past game, whereas Jamal Williams gave you no receiving stats for fantasy. And then the idea behind Gibbs is kind of like, well, if we get Gibbs in the Swift role, but they actually like him and give him even more, it's huge. So it's an interesting conversation for redraft. But yeah, for Dynasty, I don't think you're really worried about Montgomery. Just just such absurd draft capital kind of alleviates those concerns and the size concerns. At least that's how I'm seeing it. Amico, what are you doing at 105? Yeah, I mean, I have to take Stroud here. I, I think it's, it's kind of a
2: no-brainer in this spot. Um, he's an interesting prospect, I think, because, I, I mean, pre-S2 stuff, I feel like Stroud was like the cleanest guy in the sense that, like, you weren't really worried about any size stuff like you were with Bryce. He obviously had amazing stats. You knew he was going to go high in the draft. All those things obviously happened. Um, and and like, I feel like we had such negative press on, on Stroud where like, you almost feel weird. Like you almost feel guilty taking him now in these drafts, but like, you shouldn't like he's, he's, he went number two overall, right? Like the, the draft capitals there, we saw some glimpses of rushing potential that last game against Georgia. If he harnesses that at all, I mean, it doesn't have to be obviously at the level of like an Anthony Richardson, but if we're getting like trevor lawrence level rushing i mean that really boosts i think the floor here for what we can expect week to week from stroud um and i think really the only concern is right now that they really lack a go-to stud weapon um you know robert woods nico collins they have like a bunch of guys but no star yet um but you know i I think we feel pretty good about stroud overall as a prospect would you take him over gibbs uh, I think it's a tier. I, I, have to, I think it really depends on your team. Yeah. I
0: think it's a tier as well. Because I, I don't see
2: Stroud try. as like a, a a difference maker necessarily. Right. Like if he's just like a, if he ends up not really running and he's just like a pocket passer, he's not separating you a ton at quarterback. Whereas Gibbs could potentially be that guy at running back for you.
0: Yeah. I think it's the same tier. I will go with the next guy who I think sort of in a tier by himself, um, maybe third in this tier, but, I'll go with Jackson Smith and Jigba who I feel like people are overly panicking about the landing spot. I mean, I know the draft capital at 20th wasn't like as strong as we thought it might be. Like we thought he could go like in the early double digits, but it's still first wide receiver off the board. First round draft capital was, you know, our favorite prospect of the wide receivers heading into the draft. I'm not worried about the landing spot long term. You know, I get concerns from a redraft perspective, but Tyler Lockett's into his 30s. Metcalf and JSN are going to do different things. It's not crazy to think that in a year or two, JSN's out targeting Metcalf just by the way that he wins, and those they both are able to, to you know, play be very successful there for Seattle. So I'm going to go JSN at 106. So this is where I think it
1: gets pretty interesting after sure. these guys and um <sighs>
2: mean, wide open.
1: I, I I think I'm gonna get, I'm gonna go a little nuts here, and uh, I'm gonna go with R- Rishi Rice
0: out of SMU. Ooh, um, Baby, that is that is spicy. Yeah. that's spicy. It's spicy. This is that's the thumbnail. We've got it. It's
1: spicy, yeah. Um, and you know, I again, I, I just finished my AFC draft grades and submitted them, and they should be up here very shortly. Um, Rishi Rice was. Rashie Rice was extremely productive at SMU last year, and uh, uh, Kevin Cole of, of PFF, or maybe as, I guess formerly of PFF, now now of like Substack or something, uh, it, uh, has pointed out that the, the most predictive has has pointed out that the, the most predictive metric on wide receivers is college production. And Rasheed Rice was just outrageous, especially this past season. He's a little bit old. He's 23, but he's not too old. Um, and his workout metrics were really good. He only ran 4.51, but his 10-yard split was like 1.49, 41-inch vertical. Um, the Chiefs traded up for him, and he gets paired with Patrick Mahomes in a wide receiver core that otherwise is just not very impressive. I mean, we're talking about MBS – who's a clear-cut, you know, established role player in the league. Sky Moore, who was a disappointment as a rookie. McColl Hardman is gone. Juju Smith-Schuster is gone. Travis Kelsey is about, like, he's, like, about to turn 35 or something. So,
0: I don't know. I'm, I'm getting nuts here. I'm going with Rasheed Rice at SMU. Yeah, um, I mean, I think you can make an argument. Sorry, Lonnie. I was, was going to say, I'll push back a little bit here, Silva. I mean, I love the spiciness of the take. I feel like we've had a couple chiefs wide receivers over the last few years who were overdrafted by the team. And we've been like, well, you know, the landing spot is great. And you know, rice is a four-year guy. His production was, was solid, but you know, JJ Zacharyson and his, his late round prospect guide kind of noted, he only hit 2.00 yards per team of pass attempts just once, which is kind of a benchmark that they use. And I don't know. I think, I think we're, we're, overvaluing landing spot here in dynasty when i'm just a little bit more concerned with, with the player but if you do like rice i think you could wait a li- i don't think i don't know it'll be interesting to see where his adp is um miko you probably have a better feel on where people might actually take rice
2: well yeah i mean like i'm, I'm kind of looking at the board and, and i you know i can see where we get to rice in the sense that like the a lot of these receivers didn't necessarily end up in like super appealing locations. And I know we'll talk about some of them, like flowers, Addison, like there mm-hmm. is like some chance that rice as kind of like the only big receiver that the chiefs have ends up having like some kind of big role right away. Like it wouldn't, it would, really wouldn't surprise me. We know that Mahomes campaigned campaign basically for, the, for them to draft this guy. Uh, I it's, it's too early for me, but like, this is this is the range where I feel like people are gonna start getting to the guys that they want versus like the top five, the top six guys that we took. I felt like those are the top five. Yeah, uh, agreed. Know? Um, I'm gonna go Dalton Kincaid here. Uh, Ooh, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm super in, I'm super into Kincaid. I think that this was a great pick by Buffalo. They they traded up to get him. The, the comparison that you heard a lot in the pre-draft process was like, we don't want to say it, but he looks a lot like Travis Kelsey, like super athletic, super productive, catching the ball. He had like 14, 15 catches against USC. Like that was kind of the game. I feel like that put him on the map. Uh, and, and Buffalo like super quietly doesn't have
0: anyone to throw to. Him.
2: Yeah. Like I felt like towards down the stretch last year, it was like, all right, we have digs, Gabe Davis hurt maybe not that good, we're not sure. And then they have like all this rotating like slot trio of like Cole Beasley, Khalil Shakir, Isaiah McKenzie. Well, now all those targets might just go to Dalton Kincaid, who's bigger and very good and could have a big red zone role with this team as well. And I I think that the ceiling here is really high. Tight end overall in Dynasty is not like a super good position. It's, It's a very good position in this draft, but like in terms of what we've gotten Fantasy wise, like last year, disaster. So there's a there's a potential here for Kincaid to be a pretty big value in like the larger scheme of fantasy football. I put in my draft grades that I think that Dalton Kincaid actually might just immediately
1: slot in as the Bills slot receiver between Gabe Davis and Stephon Diggs. And like that'll be his role like right off the bat. And Dawson Knox will be that, you know, classic inline wide tight end.
0: And Dalton Kincaid will be their actual slot receiver. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Silva, I need you to yell at Jack and Mark who are working on our seasonal redraft rankings. And they're a little bit scared of the historical rookie tight end stuff, but I don't know how applicable it is here because of what you said. And I'm 100% Homer hat on Bill's fan, but is the team trying to win the super bowl? They didn't trade up in the first round for like a Debbie tight end. Like they traded up because this is the wide receiver that they wanted to get. And he's just happens to be a big ass tight end, you know, and on paper. So uh, I like to pick Amico. I think I would have, I'm between two wide receivers at my pick at 109. I think I'd have them both ahead of Kincaid, but um, you know, t- again, keep in mind, tight end premium scoring means that in a full PPR league, tight ends are getting one and a half points per reception. So if you run into the right one, it's an absolute game changer because there's not a lot that make a huge difference, but the ones that do make quite a meaningful difference. But I'm between Quentin and Johnston and, Addison here. And I'm going to go with Johnston. I'm just a little bit of a sucker for like these risk reward bets. And uh, I, you know, I, I gave Silva some pushback for overvaluing landing spot and I'm probably going to overvalue landing spot here, but we got really good draft capital for him. And I'm just excited with like what the charges are going to do. You know, they've been pretty pass heavy up-tempo team. Now they bring in Kellen Moore. And if you just look at the receiving options, You've got an aging Keenan Allen. Mike Williams is, you know, he's been in the league for a while now, and he's not always in the lineup consistently. Josh Palmer, I think, has pretty much proven that, like, he's he's just a guy, um, not really someone that's going to bl- block Johnston from getting his snap share if Johnston is is legitimately good. So I'm going to take the gamble here, whereas I think Addison's a lot safer, but I'm, I'm going to roll the dice on the upside for Johnston. Hmm. I, I love that. I mean, I, I I'm I'm
2: high on Johnston. Mm-hmm. I think I, I was like wavering on him in the pre-draft process, but mm-hmm. like they needed a big guy, and mm-hmm. he's athletic. Like he's kind of exactly what they need. Palmer can replace Keenan Allen if he leaves in the slot. Like that's fine, but like the guy that could be like an alpha here in like two years with 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 Justin Herbert is, is Johnston. That's like that's the yep. swing I think you want in this class.
1: I'm with you. Yeah, and I was hoping that that you would let him fall to me, but now I don't even know what to do. Uh, I don't think I'd take Jordan Addison here. I just don't think that the ceiling is high enough on, on Jordan Addison. Um,
0: yeah, it's not a huge ceiling, but yeah. it's like he's a pretty good prospect, very good draft capital. Yeah. I think it's like a pretty safe offense. And I think he's Jahan Dotson.
1: And, yeah. you know, he's, that's okay. But, like, he's like a clear-cut number two long-term. I mean, Justin Jefferson ain't going anywhere. You know, so you're locking yourself into like a, a beta number two.
0: Yeah, you're hoping it's like what, like T. Higgins like to to chase is kind of like what your hope is long term, which, you know, obviously that's the super Bowl case. Um, again, and that's why I took Johnson ahead of him. But um, there, there's, there's a there's a there. there's a pick that's just waiting to be made by you,
2: Evan, right here. I know, but I I'm dying understand. to do it. I'm dying I to do it. For you. But, I,
1: but I think that uh, I think that uh, this guy would you uh, might fall on me. So
0: with my next pick. Do I have a next pick? You don't. This is the one. <laughs> but you, you could, you could, we'll give you the 201. Okay. We're nice. Okay, we'll give you the, we'll end the show at the 201. I think I have to take Zay Flowers.
1: I think because, um, you know, Odell Beckham is a, is a short-term guy. Rashad Bateman hasn't been able to stay healthy since college. Um, Zay Flowers, the draft capital was really, really strong there. Uh, I think he's a baller. Um, did you see him when uh, when he came out uh, after he got selected? Like he was dripping. I mean, this dude was absolutely. Yeah, he was dripping like hard. So I think I'm going to go with Zay Flowers. Trusting the Todd Monken, Lamar Jackson. I think is you know I mean you know he's he's a dual threat, but he's not a running back like all the idiots say. And Zay Flowers is really good. So I'm going to go with Zay Flowers. I think that's the best pick right now for me. I'm like wondering
2: if, like, I think this offense could be super fun. Like, yeah, it's going to be fun to see how it plays out. Like
0: Mocken's going to throw way more than people expect.
2: Right. And like, there's so many opportunities for them to just like empty the backfield. They have receivers now. They obviously have tight ends that they can throw in there and just like let Lamar cut loose, man. Like I,
0: I think this could be fun. I'm pretty excited. I was buying the uncertainty dip on Lamar. I made some big trades a few weeks ago for Lamar Jackson in my dynasty leagues. And I'm psyched right now with, you know, bringing in flowers, bringing in Monk then he signs the extension. So I like, I like, I think he's probably in that same tier. I was probably shortchanging him by just saying Johnson or Addison. I think flowers is right there. I'm I'm going to go, I'm a Bateman slappy. I just can't, you know, so I'm just holding, holding on to hope there. Uh, dude, I'm like like once a
2: week I'm getting tagged in the Discord. Like, Amico, you've been too high. I'm just like, oh, <laughs> I like him, you know. I don't know. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go Will Levis. I mean, I, I'm a sucker for the quarterbacks. Like, I, I'm just gonna keep firing them. Uh, and, and I know that like typically these like day two quarterbacks are not super enticing, but I feel like Levis is rare for two reasons. Like, number one, it was very clear that teams were trying to get up into the first round to draft him. That that was all the reports. Uh, it seemed like, it seemed like honestly, if Kansas city wasn't hosting the draft that they would have moved back with one of these teams, uh, instead of making their selection at 31, uh, I know they spoke with the bills. The bills really wanted Kincaid, like the teams were trying to get up. It's the case in, in like day two, that a lot of times the quarterbacks, once they slip out of day one, they don't go like we saw this last year, they just slide and slide and slide because if a team wanted them, they would have moved up into, into day one. Since 2011, we've only had five other quarterbacks go in the first 10 picks of day two Andy Dalton, Colin Kaepernick, Geno Smith, Derek Carr, Drew Locke. All these guys pretty much got the chance to start. Uh, You know, Locke, I would say, had like the worst overall outcome, but like Dalton, Carr, Geno, like these guys all pretty much started right away. And I think that we're going to have the chance to see that with Levis. We'll see what happens to Tannehill in the preseason. I could definitely see them dealing him now and just trying to like kickstart this like mini rebuild that I feel like they were doing under Rand Carthon. Uh, and Levis is someone who like much maligned in the pre-draft process. Maybe he's not good. I know he's graded day two by like Lance. And, you know, who and would make a, who a ton of
1: sense for the, uh, for the, the Titans to trade Ryan Tannehill to would Falcons, be Ar- Arthur Smith and the Falcons.
2: Yeah. yeah, ton would of love- sense. It would be amazing. But the, you know, the thing that you're buying with Levis, I think is that he does run a little bit. So even if he's, isn't, a star even if he isn't even very good uh there's kind of a chance here that that you still get some salvageable fantasy value for as long as he's starting
0: yeah i I thought levis was going to follow me at the 112 and i I would have definitely taken him there so i like the pick uh two years in a row doing this though you guys just give me an absolute steal you know last year you let kenneth walker fall to me you know begrudgingly i took him this year i'm going to excitedly take jordan addison at, at 112 uh I don't think he's going to last this late in in very many rookie drafts, even in Superflex tight end premium. But I get the concerns where the ceiling looks Mm -hmm. like it's capped because Justin Jefferson's the best wide receiver in the NFL and in his prime again for several more years, handful more years. But Addison can play inside in the slot. I think there's a team that they showed last year they're going to throw more than they did in the past. They've got pretty safe quarterback play. They definitely have the available targets at wide receiver. He won the Blitnikoff Award. He was kind of in the conversation for like number one wide receiver off the board. I think we took him at like some longer odds to be so. So ultimately, I think think things turned out pretty well for him in the draft, honestly. I know it's not like a huge ceiling spot because he's blocked, but other than that, it just seems really safe for him to immediately produce and be a consistent producer for several years. Do you give
2: any thought in these rookie drafts to like the long-term sustainability of the quarterback? Because I, I think the thing that I think about mm-hmm. with Minnesota is like, if cousins, isn't their guy, like who's their quarterback mm-hmm. in, in like two years or whatever.
0: Yeah, no, it's a really good question. Um, and I'm not I saying do, that I would ding him for that, by the way. I'm just curious, no, kind of your thoughts. I process. think it's a good question. I do think about it a little bit, but I kind of, you know, when we're at this point, especially like, I guess I could see that as a tiebreaker between like him and let's say flowers where flowers, you've got Lamar on extension. Maybe you just go with the safer quarterback play, but you've also got a team in Minnesota. That's more likely to have, uh, you know, a pure pocket passer, which is going to result in more pass attempts for the team, like more volume. Like we think Baltimore is going to throw more, but like throwing more, like what does that's relative to what they've done in the past. So, I just think the volume and past time is probably going to stay pretty good. And there's some concern long-term, but I like the skill of the player too. That's why I think it's important to not take the player solely on landing spot. You know, you got to take into account the skill of the player. And he has really strong draft capital and heading into the draft, he was in the conversation for top wide receiver prospects. So, uh, you know, he, he checks those boxes for me, which alleviates some of the QB concerns.
1: And for 201, I mean, I don't, did you guys see, Levitan's post comparing uh, Michael Mayer to Austin Hooper. Oh, I yes. thought you were going to go little, I, I, I'm going to light him up for that uh, <laughs> tomorrow. I, like, I, we're we're doing a podcast tomorrow. We're on the AFC and NFC draft grades. Like, he is not going to hear the end of this. So, you know, stay tuned. Like, it's it's gonna. It might get. It might get a little mean. It might get a little mean. You know.
0: All right. So that's the two hundred one. It's 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 uh Michael Mayer. I don't know, is it? I don't know. What do you guys think? Is no, dude. I'm, I'm, no, with I, this. I'm I think that's this I stuff. was just curious what you guys thought. You know, I think talking tight and premium, only Kincaid goes for us in round one, which is yeah. how it's probably gonna be in most drafts. But I think Mayer and Laporta are like very interesting guys too. well, I
1: I really like both guys. players. Obviously, I I have a little bit of a bias toward Mayer, but I think Laporta landed in an awesome spot too. And, and I really liked Laporta before the whole thing. So I don't know. I mean, I think it's kind of up for
2: grabs, but I, I would lean mayor, but very slightly. Yeah. I mean, in the pre draft process, I, I did this article about like the draft capital and, and why sometimes we need to kind of default back to like the consensus big board. Uh, you know, mayor was 14th on the consensus big board mm-hmm. uh, versus Laporta, who was, you know, way lower. He was 54th. So I think
0: like. Especially when it's the Lions, where we saw what they did with Gibbs. It's like. <laughs> They're probably off from the big board.
2: (laughs) But like, I I just think that mayor, like for whatever reason, like he fell during this process, but he is like, he's talented. He's super talented. He can fall right into this position in in the, with the Raiders where like they need a tight end, like the targets can be there. I I just, I'm really, I'm really excited.
0: I think about where he ended up. Yeah. I think the Raiders in general, some of the ADPs and redraft have been, I think people like Jimmy G's fine. Like people are acting like he's absolute dog shit, and I mean, like he's fine. Um. So so I like that. So before we get out of here, we only had two running backs early go. I think at the top around two, you're looking at a couple other running backs. One like we say not to overrate landing spot for running back though. You had a good tweet about this, Amico. I think it matters a little bit more because we really are looking at immediate production. You know, like this uh, position that doesn't have a long shelf life, whether it's due to health or just the replaceability in terms of volume, like a coach doesn't like you like Deandre Swift and you know, you, you can go away. So Charbonnet going to Seattle was, was bad. I mean, with Walker there, I don't think there's any way around that. Um, He has the pass catching chops and Walker was really inconsistent. Like even in the run game made some big plays, but really inconsistent. So maybe long-term there's some hope there, but that was bad to me. Flip side, uh, Devin, I'm going to say this wrong, H A. How, how do I say his last name? Devon, Devon A-Chain, yeah. Devon a H- oh, I said uh, Devon A-Chain, my apologies. Oh, that's Dave.
2: the dude right here. That's that's RB3. Yeah. That yeah.
0: was the complete 180 to, to Charbonnet where it's like the, the optimal landing spot in Miami where he doesn't have to touch the ball a ton, can be a game breaker, and he's got like some vets in front of him, most who's injury prone. So – a civil rights talk to and, us about a chain.
1: Well, that the the Dane Brugler comp to Javid Best, just oh that you know, that, that gets me to a full 4.7, you know. So yes, sir. um, you know, I uh, A chain, I mean, I mean that, that's sick. I mean, McDaniel knows how to get the ball in the hands of playmakers with speed, and that's what a chain brings to the table. I saw Greg Cosell breaking him down, thinks that he can be more than just a, a scat back, more than just a satellite back. I mean, he's really, really exciting in that landing spot. That's to me, he's RB3 in, in Dynasty.
2: Yeah, I the thing that I think stood out to me, and, I, and I'm kind of quoting the, the scouts here. This is not like my own observation, but like for a small guy, he Hane runs like a big guy. Like he can still do big guy stuff, even though he's in a smaller body. And the statistical comp that really shined through, I think, in, in the data was Darren Sproles. And you know, A-chain is is like almost like a supercharged version of that. Uh, and if he can get that kind of receiving role in this offense, oh, baby.
0: RB3 for you as well, Amico? Uh, not even close, like by far. Okay. All right, awesome. Well, that's going to do it for us. Make sure you're tuning in to Establish to Ron. You're watching this on the YouTube channel. Give us a thumbs up, subscribe to us, and also make sure you subscribe to the ETR draft kit when it launches and get yourself you know access to Miko's dynasty rankings that are going to be up he's going to have a revamp of the rankings early this week taking into account all the draft stuff get you ready for your rookie draft silva has got his afc nfc draft grades up on establish the run and i will you know at one point this week do a little bit of content on my plan for rookie drafts and if you want to Look at where we have these rookies ranked in basketball. Underdogs got their huge contest going on, and we already have Best Ball Mania 4 ranks up for that. Appreciate everybody listening. Best of luck this season.